Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Monday, November 20th, 2017. This is episode 152, Private Music Instruction, Teacher Expectations. This is the third of three podcast episodes focusing on private music instruction. While each episode focuses on the three parties involved, family, student, and instructor, I feel that anyone who is considering private music instruction or anyone who is planning to be an instructor or or is already an instructor, the... Any of these people should be listening to all three of the episodes. And I say that because I think it's important for you to understand what all three parties want from one another. I think that that's critical, and I I truly feel that a lot of issues that arise with private lessons and with studios in general, can can be avoided with some basic understanding and some rules that are in play. As I said in one of the two prior episodes, over the course of my... It's been about 25 years now that I've been teaching privately. It hasn't been smooth sailing with every single student. There have been a few bumps in the road. There have been a few students who simply were not meeting my expectations. There were parents and other family members who unfortunately were making things very difficult to allow me to do what I needed to do with that particular student to watch them progress appropriately. And I can't even say that I'm absolved of all blame because I've made mistakes along the way as well. So I want to share all of these different things with my teacher expectations. Now, some of the the things I'm going to discuss today are ones that you'll find very readily available on the internet. But there are going to be some others which are going to be some experiences of my own. Not to mention some information I think that other people are not as willing to discuss on the the internet. The first thing that you need to decide as a teacher in terms of expectations, you have to make a decision as to where you would like to have your lessons with the student. Now, there are people who feel very strongly about having lessons away from their home or a studio, which is what we can call a traveling studio. And then there are other people who feel that it should be in a specific environment all the time. There are pros and cons to each one. I'm not going to get into that because that's not what today's episode is about. But it is important to consider that. And Depending on which one you have, whether it's lessons in a fixed location or in a traveling setting going from home to home, the material that I'm going to cover today really does apply for both. I'm going to discuss it more if I were going from house to house. So... In my 25 plus years of teaching privately, about 99% of the lessons have not been in my home. I have had a few in my home, and the only reason that happened uh, was the, the students who were involved simply had nowhere to have a lesson. So... 
with that said, here are some of the basic expectations that teachers should have. First of all, let's get right into it. Money. What expectations do you have in terms of money? That needs to be made crystal clear right from the start. You need to understand, you are the professional. No matter how you view this, whether it's going to be a full-time job, whether it's going to be something that's part-time, whether it's going to be nothing more than almost simply a hobby, or if you are just one of those generous souls who does lessons for free, whatever the case may be, you need to figure out the financial agreement that you are making. So if you are doing it for free, that needs to be spelled out. That needs to be stated, and there should be expectations that go along with that, because you are one incredibly generous soul who must have a lot of free time available and must be independently wealthy if you're willing to do such a thing. And I don't think there's any shame at all in making that crystal clear to the student and to the parent. You would like to believe that they already know this. But I have sadly discovered over the course of my career that's not always the case. So the financial terms of the lessons need to be spelled out in terms of what types of payments you accept. Cash, check, money order, credit card. In my particular case, I accept all the above. That's just me. I like to do it for convenience purposes. In, in, instead of a person being confined to cash only or check only or what have you, I just try to make it as convenient as possible for the families. That's entirely up to you. If you're going to accept credit card payments, there are many easy, inexpensive, and in some cases even free ways of being able to accept such payments and not hard to find on the internet at all. But whatever it's going to be, that needs to be established. And if you want the payment to be a certain way all the time, you need to state that. You need to state it right from the very beginning. What I do is after I have had a discussion with any family, which I feel should absolutely be on the phone, before you even go to someone's house or they come to you, you should be having a conversation on the phone or in person, not through email and not through text. That's fine initially, but that needs to happen. That person-to-person, real-time contact needs to occur. After I have any such discussion, I fire off an email, and the email memorializes the entire discussion. As we discussed, blah, 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 and I go through everything associated with my studio. And one of the things in that particular email will be the, the financial component of things. Now, how is you're going to be paid is important. When you're going to be paid is also important. I know of teachers who do not care when they get paid during the lesson. I know of teachers who want the payment to be given to them before instruction even starts. Others like to wait until the end because the lesson may run over time and the agreement's been made that if you're going to go over time, you need to pay and whatever the amount is going to be for every minute or 15 minutes over. Some instructors do not care and are willing to give a few extra minutes you have to figure all that out you have to know 
in your mind what you want to do and you can't keep changing things. When you as a teacher are a shapeshifter, that can be very frustrating and very irritating to families. So you have to stick to your guns. Whatever you're going to do, you got to stay with it. Now, with the, the financial component also comes the payments. Are they going to be coming each lesson or are you going to be doing payment for four lessons? And if you're going to be doing lesson uh, payment for four lessons, which would usually equate to a month in most cases, what's the policy going to be? That four lessons must occur? That you prepay for four lessons and it's on you to, meaning on you as an instructor to make sure to find all the slots or it's on the student and his or her family to make sure that all the slots are scheduled. People have a lot of different ways. I'll give you my personal advice on this. My personal advice is I do not like prepayment of lessons at all. I don't like it. And the reason I don't, I personally don't like it, and other people can have their own thoughts on this, I personally do not like it because life happens. Things happen. People get sick. People have emergencies. And the one thing that I always say to, to families up front is just that. Life happens, and I understand, and I am flexible, but I also need your understanding and flexibility as well. Because if I'm running a fever, I certainly don't want to be bringing it into that family's household. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. That's not right. And yes, it stinks because there's going to be a financial loss on my end for that particular day. Life happens. But if you have done a prepayment, and now you as the teacher are the one having to cancel the lesson, well, you can't quite flip things around. You can't say, well, I had to cancel the lesson. I've now let you know at the last possible second or 12 hours before, and the person was expecting the lesson, how is that going to work when the opposite occurs? When the student comes home sick from school and needs to cancel the lesson? I can definitely tell you this is where things have gotten the hairiest and the trickiest with my studio. Uh, in terms of how soon is... Or I should say actually... What is the cutoff for when a student is able to cancel a lesson and not be charged for it? And this is it can be very contentious, too. I had one situation where I had a student, and the understanding was very clear. This student was very, very far away from my full-time uh, position where I worked. And I, I said to this particular family, I said that you're located nearly an hour away, which <laughs> an hour in some parts of, of the world and parts of the United States is truly an hour. An hour in the New Jersey, New York City area often is not an hour. An hour can easily become an hour and 45 minutes or two hours and 15 minutes or 50 minutes. It, it can really vary. And the traffic can play a lot of a lot of games with that ETA. So I said to the, 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 the family, I was very adamant. I said, you need to understand that I'm driving a, a, a long distance. This may not be 
the best situation, and, and I need you to understand, if you're not okay with it, I respect that, I'm totally fine with it if you need to find another instructor. And the family said, no, we really want you, because we've heard so many things about you, we, uh, we, we know of your work with other students, and they really wanted me as an instructor. Well, you cut ahead, and it was a, a year later, it was a full year later, where the cancellations by the student got to be outrageous. It wasn't for illness. I, I had two consecutive lessons, two straight lessons where the student actually had the gall and the audacity to cancel a lesson within an hour of the lesson while I was already headed to his house. The student canceled the lesson, not the parent. And both times cited the reason for cancellation as... I have too much homework, which is completely absurd. It's absurd. Uh, I, I feel bad that the child had too much homework, but not to cancel a lesson over it. So I, I, I share this experience with you because the, the situation got extremely ugly. And to give you an idea of how uh, people can be I can't think of any other word other than insane with their thoughts. I had said to the, 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 the parent, of course, that when we first started, that there are going to be times which I may come to your house a little bit early, I may have to come a little bit later, and not because I want to, but because of the traffic. And I guess within the past two months or so, I had arrived, uh, there were a few, few times where I'd arrived either right on time or a few minutes early, and then there were two times once I had arrived 15 minutes late, the other one was a half hour late. And in each situation, and this is also under the teacher expectation umbrella, it is absolutely your responsibility to be communicating with the family especially if you're in a situation where you're running late or you're running behind schedule for whatever reason to absolutely communicate, which I always do. And I say this because the, the family actually became irate when they did the two cancellations in a row. And, and for the second one, I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to need to charge you for this lesson. And the parent who I had always thought was a level-headed person, actually came back obnoxiously and said, well, we want you to pay us for the inconvenience of those two lessons where you would come late to our home. That actually happened. <laughs> that actually was said. To which I then responded, please don't ever contact me again. That's how that happened. And uh, it's... It's unfortunate, but this is real life, and and I, I try to be upfront with people so you understand that you're going to have so many amazing students you're going to teach and incredible families who are grateful and so appreciative of everything you do, and then unfortunately you're going to have those wackadoodles. You're going to have those people who just don't get it. They're in some type of bubble and their world is not the world that you're living in or any of the rest of us are living in. So in terms of the finances, in terms of what the schedule is going to be set up, hopefully that information is going to be helpful. You have to, I'm going to jump aboard and actually, I'm going to go a bit further with what I had said uh, just just a few seconds ago about making sure to stay in touch with with uh, the families and the students. You have to keep in, in regular contact with them. You, you need to... I, I will always send at least an email or a text so I have something that's written. But I always reach out to students to confirm times to confirm dates even when we've already 
figured this out. And this is what I have students I've been teaching for 10 years. Families that I've been with for 15 years. I still do it. I'll drop the night before. I'll just drop a quick text. Make a quick phone call. Quick email. And, and simply say, are we still on for tomorrow at 4 p.m.? Which is not anything other than just a reminder. It's just a polite way of saying it. Obviously, with the expectation that it's going to happen. Okay. Other things that you can, you should be expecting as a, as a teacher. It comes back to the preparation of the students. I do not consider private music lessons to be practice time. And I am at the point in my career that I cannot and will not tolerate it any longer. Now, I say that because I've been teaching for 25 years and I'm at the point in my career where I don't, I just don't have any tolerance for it anymore. It's not the way in my viewpoint that, that lessons should be. I feel that Students should do what needs to be done, what's been asked of them, and come back with questions, mentioning whatever issues occurred, or if he or she had a bad week, or they were sick, or overwhelmed with homework, whatever the case may be, that it's it's imperative that the time is not just being spent to practice. I don't mind doing that every once in a while. If a student is that overwhelmed, I'm an understanding person. I totally get it. If it means that with one of my top students, they just didn't have any time to practice whatsoever, and we just need to be doing some some high-quality sight reading or, or playing through some, some demanding duets, I'm all for that. As long as we're doing something so the student's progressing. But when you're you're practicing with the student every single week, ugh, I don't know about that. Now, if you're just starting your studio, you may not have a choice. Because you are looking to establish yourself, to gain some type of reputation, to work on your teaching skills to figure out what makes, or actually what, what what is it that causes other students to, or your students in general to tick? And what are the, the trigger words I need to say to motivate them and to get them to respond and be inspired and react appropriately? And that's hard. That takes time. <laughs> but... I always say to my students at this point in my career, I'm not here to practice with you. I'm not here because you didn't have any time to practice all week. Because one of the most important things, and this is so, so critical, you as a teacher, one of the expectations you need to have for yourself is to make sure that students know how to practice. No student needs to be practicing for six hours a day, or four hours a day, or even two hours a day. They don't have to be doing that. A student can get a fantastic practice session done with one hour of practicing in a day, separated by, separated or split in two, do two 30-minute sessions, and get a fantastic amount accomplished. If the student knows how to practice. But if a student is mindlessly practicing a passage and doesn't know how to attack it, and is getting frustrated, and their emotions are getting involved, and all the things that 
probably don't occur when the teacher is right there. And now the parent, the family member, has to deal with the child and the family member doesn't know what to do. That's the whole reason you were hired in the first place. So you have to make sure that you teach them how to practice. When a student gets to the point in the middle of a lesson with me and they'll say, I don't know how to play this. I'm to the what I say now is I'll say, okay, you've had me for how long as a teacher? How could you not know how to do this? I want you to think about all the things that we've talked about. What is a way that we can attack this particular measure, this particular phrase? And more often than not, they have the answer, to which I then look at them and say, well, you should have been able to figure this out earlier in the week. Now, I will even say to my students, and this is something I still get on the case about, is that if you are really, really, really stumped with something and you just need a quick answer, just drop a quick text to me or email or if you need you you don't feel comfortable doing that you need it to be done through through a family member that's fine i know there are a lot of teachers that are probably saying saying when they're hearing this oh my goodness why is he saying this i'm i'm not a 7-eleven i'm not open 24 hours a day yes i understand but at the same time my own personal feeling I do think that there's something very, very special about being a private music instructor. And I don't see any harm, this is just me, with a student reaching out and asking a quick question. But I do make it extremely clear to them that this is not going to become a lesson off lesson hours. And to their credit, I've never had a student abuse that, where they call me up, or they're emailing and they're asking a, a million and one questions. That's not happening. But I do think that if they need clarification, because quite honestly, if you're not doing that, you're actually making everybody's life more difficult. And the practice session, may, uh, the, the, the excuse me, the, the next lesson that you're going to be having with the student may not be as productive as it could be. Other teacher expectations. Think about what's happening during the lesson. Is the student playing too much without getting input from you? Are you, as a teacher, playing, too, playing your own instrument too much? And you're not hearing enough from the student. Is the student talking too much to try to avoid playing in the lesson because he or she may be unprepared. Are you talking too much as an instructor? Are you talking too much as an instructor and you're overloading them with just simply too much information? These are all different things to consider with your teacher expectations. This also needs to be said to the student. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is more maddening to a child and to any student than the reason for why you need to do X, Y, and Z is because I told you so or because I said so. That is maddening. No student likes to hear that answer. We deserve to hear the answer, why? We deserve to know why we are doing whatever we are doing. Because last time I checked, I don't think anybody enjoys doing something when they have no idea why they're even doing it. That's just absurd. So... I always explain to my students, this is why I'm asking you to do this. This is the purpose for why you need to play this in this manner. 
This is not me being annoying. This is the type of thing that the judge is going to want to hear. This is something that an audition committee is going to want to hear on your recording. This is something that you owe to the composer. This is something that you owe to yourself. This is something you owe to your director at school or your, your, your peers or other members of the ensemble that you're in. That needs to be explained. And that's an expectation that a teacher should have on himself or herself and should be imparting it into the student. One of the most challenging things when it comes to teacher expectations has to do with other teachers. This is tough. This is very, very challenging. Because, unfortunately, I would say that there are too many teachers of my private students who I have completely disagreed with their musical thoughts, musical opinions, musical experience, or lack thereof and very, very questionable advice. Now, I wouldn't say that the that group of people is in the majority, but it's been a lot. There are specific instructors who have been... Uh, how can I put it? They, they, they feel the need to word things so strongly in my students that the students become very, very conflicted. And I simply say, and it's easy for me to say it, well, remember that you've hired me to, to come here. Remember that I have been teaching this particular instrument, this particular solo, this particular passage, this music for how many years now. These are the results. I'm not saying it in any way to be arrogant or to be snobby, but I do know that this particular approach I'm asking you to do has been widely accepted by many people. This is particularly the case when I'm preparing students for auditions. Because I've, I've prepared ch children for every conceivable, every possible audition you can imagine. And it drives me crazy when there's another instructor who's not a private instructor, but rather a music teacher who might be at this child's school who is giving advice which is completely contradicting what I'm saying to the student. So what I, I don't do is I do not put the teacher down, ever. I do not say anything in a bad way about the teacher. I will say that I have a lot of respect for this person or if I, if I know the person, if I don't know the person, I'm going to say, I appreciate that person's opinion. Uh, that's, that might be valid for some other similar, similar situations or uh, pieces of music similar to this one. However, I feel very, very strongly about this. I will let you as the student ultimately decide what you want to do. I think when you say those words, you've really taken the high road in a fantastic way. And also in such a way that because you have approached it this way, as opposed to the person who may have spoken to them, who may have not taken it that way, the student more often than not will side with you as the private instructor, if you word it in that way. That can be challenging. M one thing, though, you, you don't want to do is you don't want to be putting down other teachers. 
I had a a student recently who wanted to change instructors, and I was one of several teachers that they wanted to take some lessons with just as they were transitioning. And I, I found that at one point during the lesson, that student was bad-mouthing the teacher in a big way. And I just had to very nicely and professionally say, I understand, uh, but let's try to focus on what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, I don't want to pass any judgment on anyone because I don't know this person. And even if I did know the person, I'm probably still going to say I don't know this person that well. And just do anything and everything I can to just bypass that issue and try to focus on the task at hand, which is teaching that student at that particular time. We as teachers have a massive pet peeve, and that is a parent who has decided that what you are doing with their child is not the way that things should be done. I'll go so far to even say that if you have a situation that's severe in that regard, you might have to part ways with the student, which is a shame. But here's the thing. As wonderful as a student may be, you are probably not going to be able to change that parent's mind. And I have had this situation before where I will be teaching a student and before a lesson, during a lesson, more often than not, after the lesson, the parent will say to me, I didn't really care for the way that you did this. Or for this next lesson, I really need you to do more of this. Or you're not, you're not satisfying my, my child's musical needs in this way. Whatever the case may be, it's... That gets extremely dicey. And when, when a parent starts deciding that he or she knows more than you do, it might be time to part ways because that is not a good situation. I had a, 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 a parent, this goes about, that was probably about six months ago, and the parent got in touch with me out of the blue, and I was very surprised because this had been a parent of a student I'd been with for quite some time, and all of a sudden the parent just started making all these demands about, well, when you're, you're doing your lesson, we need you to do this, and we need you to do this, and I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, who, who's the instructor here? Once that happens, I, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for you to have a hoity-toity type of higher-than-now approach with the parent and say, well, I'm the master. And then you come off as a condescending jerk. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You, you come off as a, as a jerk, and you don't want to do that. So what I will what I will say is I will say something and I'll say well th this is the approach that I would like to take with your child and if you're a private instructor who is somebody who is willing to adapt in that way because a parent is telling you how to teach and that doesn't bother you fine I can tell you that I'm not ever going to ever be okay with that. I don't mind an occasional suggestion. But when you're telling me 
to exactly how to teach the entire lesson, that's a problem. Because I can assure you, even if the person is a professional musician, if they were that good, they wouldn't have hired you to begin with. So that person should cannot be now thrust into the role of being the, the spokesperson for their child in terms of how the child is being taught, not if the child is being taught. Because after all, those people did hire you. Teachers have, and sh well, they should have high expectations for their students. I cannot stand when students come to their lessons and they can't locate their music or parts of their instrument or they forget their instrument. That drives me crazy. Absolutely crazy when that occurs. It is such, it's, I even will say to students, I find it completely disrespectful. And we'll also add that time is now being wasted because you can't find your music. Because I can tell you right now, as a teacher, that clock should start ticking right away. And if that person can't find the music, you have to make sure that a parent knows that as well. That the, the clock starts ticking as soon as the, you arrive. So if that student has decided that they can't find... Well, they haven't decided. They know they can't find their music. Now they're going to be up in their room for 10 minutes trying to locate the music. Well, that's 10 minutes or less than that's gone. The parent then can take that up with their child. They're certainly not going to be taking that up with you. You didn't cause that. Uh, one thing you can do as a teacher, you don't have to do it, but I've done it from time to time with some students that, who can occasionally be a little bit forgetful, and I know that organization may not be their strong suit. I may sometimes, especially if I'm in a crunch for time, I have even dropped a quick text, made a quick phone call about an hour before I'm about to arrive, just remind so-and-so to have all the music out. Make sure that everything is ready to go. Then you just don't, you're just being proactive and you're making things just better and just easier in general. One of the other things that you have to, expectations that you have to have as a teacher is that you're not the perfect fit for everyone. I had a wonderful wonderful lesson with a student recently. It's probably been a month ago. Wonderful kid. Parent was fabulous. Very, very professional. Excellent interaction. We had a great phone call. Had email correspondence. Everything was great. Had a lesson with the students. It was the first lesson. Parent got back to me. And very nicely and courteously said, we don't feel this is the perfect fit, but we appreciate you, you coming to our house. I didn't take any offense. Yes, is there a part of me that's hurt? Of course there is. Because I do feel that there were things that I absolutely could have helped the child with. Was I going to be able to help them with everything that they needed? Mm, that's debatable. Depends on the direction that the child was ultimately going to be going. With what the child had done to that point and what the child was looking to do, I was going to be able to help him with most of the things that he was going to need. And there were going to be some things that I was going to strongly suggest that he consider doing differently but they decided to go in another direction. You have to respect that. And you have to understand that you are not the perfect fit for everyone. There are certain children who need certain types of people. 
and sometimes they need an instructor who is going to be a taskmaster and is going to be very, very tough and very, very demanding. And that's the type of instructor that the parent may want. And then there are other instructors that are just extremely kind and they might be prone to just kind of letting things go. And that's okay too. And then there are other instructors who call it for what it is. They have to make a living and will do whatever possible in a lesson to make sure that they get through the entire lesson, the child is not crying and is not having any type of meltdown and they collect their money and they move on. Everybody's different with the way that they are going to have their lessons. And I think that it, it, that also falls into the teacher expectation because I can't reiterate it enough you have to make it clear to the, the parent and the student of what it is that you expect lesson to lesson, week to week. And I'll leave just one final thought with this, even though there's so many other things that I can address, but I also don't like to make my podcast episodes four hours long. I am very much against lessons occurring every other week or every three weeks or once a month. There are some exceptions, exceptions that I make in that regard would be students who are extremely advanced and are not necessarily having lessons with me for anything other than coaching. Specifically coaching for auditions or just getting a second opinion and they have another teacher, which I have done with quite a few students before. And that's only with extremely advanced students would I ever consider being a second opinion for a student. Because I did have one instance with a student, uh, I think the student was like in fifth grade. Student had two teachers going on at the same time. That's, that is no good. There's nothing good about that at all. No matter how great either teacher could be, no two teachers are alike, and there's nothing positive that comes out of that. And I had to, I, I did it for a very short amount of time, and then I had to say to the parent, listen, you're going to have to make a decision here which way you want to go, and they they made the decision that they made, and that was the end of that. And In th that case, they did decide to stay with me, but I would have been perfectly fine had they gone with the other instructor. So, teacher expectations need to have lessons every week. If you're teaching the student exclusively, they really need to be every week. And you need to explain why. And the main reason for that is that I always, I don't just say this to my private students. I say this to my students that I have in school who I'll teach once a week. I need to get accomplished in one 45-minute session, 30-minute session, 60-minute session. I need to get all this accomplished in one of those sessions that only occurs once in the entire week. While, and I have to get all that accomplished, a week's worth of work, while your other subjects, your math and your English language arts and whatever other core subjects you're having probably every day or at the least four days a week, I have to do it all in only one day. And I don't even get the entire day. I get this small chunk of time. This is the reason why. I also, especially with my younger students, I don't want to, I want to make sure they don't get into any bad habits. You need to be able to monitor them. So I will also even say it is critical that we have these lessons each week. And if it even means that 
your child is not able to practice. It's not the end of the world, but just the continuity, knowing that the child, knowing that an instructor is going to come and maybe a little bit of the stress involved with that and possibly even some guilt that he or she is not prepared for the lesson might help help to change things around a little bit of a, a motivator without anything having to be said at all so there are, are so many different things to consider when it comes to teacher expectations with private music instruction and this is just the tip of the iceberg there's so many other things, but I hope that these experiences, real life experiences, things that I've gone through will be of some help to you in some way. I hope that parents and, and, and families and students who are listening to this episode, that you've tuned into the other ones as well, and you understand that you absolutely should have your own expectations, but please know that the instructor has his or her expectations and... There are some who are going to be very flexible and some of them aren't. And you need to know that in advance. Know exactly what you're paying for. Know as a teacher exactly what you're charging for. If you're charging a lot of money, you can very bluntly say why you're charging a lot of money. If somebody asks me why I'm charging a lot of money, my answer is very, very simple. I've been teaching for 25 years. I drive to your home, you are not having to drive to me, and that is time and gas and mileage on the car, and quite honestly, the aggravation of traffic. I have a lot of results. My students have been, and whatever it is, that applies to their particular child. Experience should be paid. And I don't say that in any way that's breaking anyone's bank. And I also say that as well. I'm certainly not charging what some of the other teachers in the area are charging. But I'm charging more than others. So all of these conversations need to occur. They need to occur very early in the process. And if you do this... The whole private music instruction experience should be a fruitful one, should be a smoother one, and because everybody knows where they stand. So I hope that this podcast, as well as the other two, have been helpful to all parties. Please, as always, feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, contact me through any of the different ways through social media. And, of course, as I mentioned before, if you are interested in finding out more about teaching lessons, would like to even take a lesson with me uh, to understand how to improve in these particular areas, I'll, I'd be happy to set that up at any given time. I wish you all the best with your teaching, if you are a teacher, and uh, smooth sailing with your future musical endeavors. <laughs>